Amazing. Amazing. It runs. You know what is interesting, even though it's all humorous, is that's our very own lives right there. Haven't we kind of like built our lives like a, a car that only works to its minimum usage? That just because it works, we think it's fixed. That just because the motor is running, we think that it's healthy. And just because it moves, then it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. Well, we all live with broken lives. We all have things inside of us, things that we've gone through, that have given us almost like a life that must operate. That we... we, We live from day to day, even with the brokenness that is inside. And what we usually do is we compensate or we we learn to make adjustments so that we live and survive even though things are broken. Our world is full of broken promises, broken lives. And it's true that once once something is, or what was brand new, After years and years of operation, after years of service, after years of being on the road, after miles, after thousands of miles, eventually starts to break down. What was once brand new and powerful over time becomes rusted and broken. And many things that were once shiny and of great value to us over time become dull and collect dust. Just look at all of our trophies that we once kind of cherished. Now it's all dusty. It seems like life itself, after years of running, can also take a toll on us, causing us to live broken lives. And what's worse, we learn to adapt to the brokenness and we live with it. There are things in our world, like the stock market or the economy, that can take a turn overnight, or or like what we've seen this past weekend, or here in our very own state as well as the Pacific Rim and the coastlines, that one event can change our very world forever. All of these scenarios really have two things in common, and that's destruction, but also restoration. The good news is that Jesus came to bring restoration, not just to our world, but to our broken lives. And we may think our lives aren't broken, but that's, that's probably because we've learned to live with brokenness. And we've learned to adjust our life in a broken state. And even though we may tap on it a little just so that we can open the doors, just checking, making sure it doesn't fall off. It's like we, only we know how to operate our lives. Only we know how to make it start. Because we live in a broken state. This morning, we're going to learn how we can be, even as broken people, restored by the power of Jesus Christ. And we said it during communion, but one of the ways to do that is to examine our lives, examine ourselves. And if you are taking notes as we continue in our series, you'll find that there are the notes in our bulletin. And we're talking about that people matter to God, and He wants to bring about restoration. The first thing you can fill in is, is to examine my life with the Lord. See, God gives us ways to fix things, not just to live in a broken state, not just to live with the brokenness or the dullness or the dustiness of our lives, or to, 
or to utilize different tools and, and have makeshift tools so that it can do a quick fix. But He wants to restore our lives to the very core. See, when you're restoring something like a, like a vehicle, you usually match it up with the real thing. When you use your tools, you try to use the real thing. You don't use a crescent wrench as a hammer, even though some of us do. It's not made for that. A screwdriver is not made to be a chisel. A butter knife is not used to be a Phillips screwdriver. And although we'll use it, it's not made for that. And we'll, we'll utilize certain tools in our lives, like television, or movies, or the internet, or we'll go online and chat with people. Or we'll even try to self-medicate our relationships by, by viewing pornography. And we'll use all of these different things as tools to fix what's broken on the inside. But that's not what we're supposed to be doing. God has given us His Spirit so that when we examine our lives, it's Him that restores the brokenness. Not these other things. Hebrews 1.3, it says that the sun reflects God's own glory and everything about Him represents God exactly. He sustains the universe by the mighty power of His command. And after He died, after He died to cleanse us from the stain of sin, He sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God of heaven. You see, Jesus is the exact representation of God Himself. It's like, you know when uh, you have to brand a horse or cattle? You have a branding iron and you heat it up and you just sear it. And it kind of it leaves that impression or that burn mark with the exact representation of what that iron was. That's what Christ is. He's that exact representation of God. And when we have that relationship, when we, when we examine our life with the Lord, and when we're doing that, then He... He burns that impression on us of who He is. That we become more and more like Him. You know, when those who handle money need to know the difference between a counterfeit and the real thing, they don't, they don't study all the thousands of counterfeit bills out there. They only study one. They study the real bill. If we ever want to come out of a broken state or if we ever want to live a life of restoration, then we must study the real thing. Not the things that are out there in the world, self-help things, but the real deal. And it's examining our lives with the Lord. Many things may help, but if it's not the Lord, then we're only doing a quick fix. But God is in the business of restoration. We can actually slip into a, a state of depression or even thoughts of suicide because we don't examine our lives with the character of God. That we actually examine our lives with the things of the world. Sometimes we examine our lives according to our own expectations or what other people may think. Or what's worse, we live broken lives and just deal with the pain instead of seeking the Lord. Some of us will even read horoscopes and we'll read it and we'll say, oh, hey, today is going to be a great day. And this is what it says. I'm a Taurus. So therefore, and, and you know what that actually does? It actually shapes us into its own image. 
And we may think it's harmless because it all sounds good, but it's the wrong image. We're made in the image of God. Therefore, the Bible says to examine ourselves with Jesus Christ, to examine ourselves with the Lord. First Corinthians, excuse me, Second Corinthians 13.5, it says, Test yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves, or do you not recognize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail the test. You know what the Bible is saying? It's saying, try out your faith. Try it. Because we'll turn to other things, and the Bible is saying, no, 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 no. Don't turn to those things. Try your faith. Try praying to God. Try seeking His face. Try applying the Word of God. Try opening the Word of God. Try getting before the Lord. Try examining yourself. Test, try your faith. Just try your faith out and see what happens. See, we tend to compensate, adapt, and overlook what's broken because we're able to survive. Like our lives can run. It may not run at its optimum, but it's running. At least, at least we're surviving. But the Lord doesn't want us to just survive and exist. He wants our lives to be restored in Him. It's like, it's like when we keep going on and on and on, day after day after day, and people are telling us, you got to rest. No, 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 no. i got to finish this. No, you got to rest. No, no, no. I can't, I can't. I have the energy. And then we become, we become sick. And up until that point, oh, we got it, we got it, we got it, we got it. And then we become so sick, we can't even move. And we're at home, oh, I cannot even move. And we're out for about a week, just down and out. Our immune system shuts down. And you know, you know who gives us no pity at all? Our spouse. No pity whatsoever. You're, you're freezing feverishly and, and, and cold, or you have the chills, and you're like, and they pass you by, what's the matter with you? I'm sick, I'm sick. Well, no, come by me then. And they leave you. Maybe go give me soup. Go give me soup. You get two hands and you make them yourself. Oh, come on, come on. Please, I'm freezing. I'm sick. What I told you, you should have rested. Like we get no pity from our family. Why? Because they see what we're doing prior to that. Now, I'm exaggerating. I know your spouse takes good care of you. I'm sure of that. But we say, we got it. We got it. That's why it's so important for us to examine our life with the Lord. Because He's the one that can give us wisdom before the fall. Wisdom before the down and out. Wisdom before depression. Wisdom before suicidal thoughts. Wisdom before we crash and burn. Wisdom even in our brokenness. Because He's able to restore. This is where the overhaul comes in of our life. You know, a car like this, yes, you can repair bit by bit and just operate as you go. And that's okay for a while. But there comes a time in our lives where after we do that for so long, we must have a complete overhaul. You can write in your second point, invite the Lord to overhaul my life. This is where midlife crisis comes in. This is where it happens. It's right at this mark where we think we have to do other things rather than invite the Lord to overhaul my life. We'll get a new toy. We'll look for a new job. We'll look for a new look. We'll get new clothes. We'll even look for a new relationship. 
because we think we deserve it. Well, it's, it's not. See, all of that is surface things. That's surface. But there's something inside that's broken. And unless we invite the Lord to do some massive overhaul, that's not going to last. All of those things are just temporary fixes. That's why we invite the Lord. It's not an age factor. It's not when I hit a certain mark in life. It doesn't mean that, okay, when I come to this, this, con- this junction in my life or this crossroad, now I'm going to, now I'm going to make some changes. No, it's, it's asking the Lord, first examining ourselves with the Lord, but asking Him to do a complete overhaul before you crash and burn. If you're going over saddle road with this, you're not going to just say, okay, I hope I make it. You're going to make sure you do a complete overhaul. Or you won't even try. You'll just say, hey, brother, can borrow a truck because it's brand new. But when it comes to our very own lives, we need a complete overhaul. See, when we do an overhaul, it means to check something for faults or revise something thoroughly. Or it's a comprehensive repair. It checks everything. Sometimes we pick and choose what we want God to restore. We pick and choose what we believe He needs to do. Instead of saying, Lord, I invite you to overhaul my whole entire life. Give me some areas, Lord, that you see that I need to overhaul. Okay, here's one, your marriage. Oh, well, you know, that's, that's their fault. You know, they're not working on this. If you change them, if you overhaul their life, then I will mine. Okay, what about your children? How about your time with them? Well, you know, they're busy, they're growing up. And Okay, what about your health? Well, you know, we're dying anyway, so might as well enjoy life. Uh, what, about, what about your relationships at work? Well, they all get problems. A, there's a common denominator here. Me. There's a common denominator in all of that. You see, it's our responsibility to to invite the Lord to do an overhaul. He won't do it without your permission. He is is the King of the universe, the Lord of all. But at the same time, He is very respectful of your decisions. Your decisions, my decisions. It's called the freedom to choose. He gave us that. And what comes along with that is the freedom to choose to love Him. And that's what it comes back to. It's our relationship with Him. Ephesians 4, 17 through 20, it says, With the Lord's authority, let me say this, and this is Paul speaking. He says, Live no longer as the ungodly do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their closed minds are full of darkness. They are far away from the life of God because they have shut their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They don't care anymore about right and wrong, and they have given themselves over to immoral ways. Their lives are filled with all kinds of impurity and greed. And then it concludes, and he says, But that that isn't what you were taught when you learned about Christ. You see, Paul is saying that our minds are closed, full of darkness. That now we're blind to understanding the things of God. That we shut, out our, we, we shut God out with this relationship with us. Then He can do no overhaul with our lives. Now we start to pick and choose our relationship with God. You see, when I shut my life off from the Lord, my life rusts away. But here's the, here's the sad, depressive part about it. I won't even care that I'm rusting away. 
when I shut God out of my life, after a while, it's like, I don't even care. I'll just take care of the rusted life that I have. I'll, I'll try to maintain everything around me. Have you ever seen, I, I, I've had one like this in my yard uh, growing up. A broken down car that someone's going to fix one day. And please don't look at the person next to you because that might be that person. Then they say, no, no, no. All we need is an alternator. No, no. All we got to do is change the fan belt. All we have to do is change spark plug. All we have to do is rotate. All we have to do is change this. All we have to do is patch up. All we have to do is duct tape. That's all we have to do. And so what do we do? We we weed whack around it. We make it nice. We even put poison around. Just so that the weeds don't grow around it. And when the weeds grow through, we poison in the car. Because one day we're going to fix it. It's interesting. We'll do that. And that's what happens in our very own lives. When we shut ourselves off from the Lord, it's like we just, we just rust away. Uh, rust away and, and we won't even care. Before we settle into a stage where we don't care anymore, can I give you two prayers that I pray that helps me a whole lot in my life. And I put it in your notes. Psalm 52 verse 12. And it says this. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And sustain me with a willing spirit. The second one is Psalm 80 verse 3. Restore us, O God. Cause your face to shine. And we shall be saved. And when God begins the restoration process... Here's the word, and you want to write this in your third point. Embrace. Embrace. Embrace the process of restoration. Because there's a process. Embrace it. Not many survive the process. They bail out only to leave the faith and never return, even trying to continue on with the faith. You know, this past weekend... With the earthquake and tsunami, our friends in Japan will be restored. They will. There's millions of people around the globe praying for the nation of Japan. And we're going to pray at the end. But doesn't it seem like even with what happened last month in New Zealand, it's like we all, we've already forgotten about New Zealand. We've already forgotten about Haiti. We've already forgotten about Katrina. It's like we in our world, sure we can bounce back in our world. We can rebuild. We can restore the land. We can do that. And we can do it in a decade. Sometimes less. Maybe more. Because it takes, there's a process. And we can do that. And when it comes to our very own lives... It's a process. But embrace it with what the Lord is doing. In the year 2011, I really believe the Lord's saying for us as a church that He wants to grow us spiritually. So you know what that means? That we're going to encounter some painful situations. We're going to encounter some times where we don't want to fix what's inside. We're going to struggle with it. We're going to wrestle with even God. And we're going to say, well, I don't want to go there. God's going to say... I came to bring restoration. You know when we have to do all these relief efforts and all of the the rebuilding and the process of restoration in our land or even right now in Japan? 
or even in Kona, some things have been damaged. When we have to do a, a time of restoration, listen, it's not the normal lifestyle. Traffic patterns change. World economies change. Laws change. People change. Because people matter to God. If things will change, we're not going to be on the same, the same track that we were before, the same so-called timeline that we were. And it's the same thing in our very own lives. That when God is doing a restoration in us, things change. We can't be the same anymore. There must be a spiritual change that happens on the inside. I cannot be doing the same things I was doing last year for this year's spiritual growth. I just can't. Or I'm going to rust away. James 1, 2 through 4. It says, To consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, Lacking nothing. Consider it. Or to think about it. To lead. Count it all joy. When we encounter these periods. Not because of what has happened. But what can come about it. What can come from destruction. What can come from devastation. What can come from brokenness. That there's a new day. But it requires the Lord's help. He'll give us the resources, wisdom, ingenuity, and most of all, He'll, he'll surround us with the right people. Because people matter to Him. See, you could be in the restoration process of a relationship. Maybe you're in the restoration process of your finances or a traumatic event. Maybe a, a horrible childhood memory. Or even midlife crisis, anxiety attacks, stress feeling rejected, or depression. Just remember that restoration is not in a day. It's daily. That's why the Lord says, just embrace it. Embrace the process of restoration. It takes time. 2 Corinthians 3.18, it puts it this way. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, our being, you want to circle that word or underline it, are being transformed into the same image from, let's say this words together, go, glory to glory. Just as from the Lord, the Spirit. It's a spiritual thing that happens inside of us. It's not an outward thing. God is doing something inside of us. Embrace it. Embrace the process of restoration in whatever way the Lord is doing. See, we have hope. We definitely have hope. Japan has hope. New Zealand has hope. Our islands have hope. The Pacific Rim coastlines have hope. The world has hope. And as we can see again in this past weekend, it's not in the way the world operates. It's in Jesus Christ. Because the world will change. But Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We can clean. We can rebuild. 
And we will reconstruct and renew buildings. But God is not only after the restoration of our land, although important. All of these things are to lead us toward being restored in Him. Because every single person on this planet, every nation, every tongue that confesses that Jesus is Lord, matter to Him. Even those who have yet to come to know Jesus Christ matter to Him. People matter to God. And if people matter to God, I believe for us, then people should matter to us also. Especially beginning with our very own lives that may be broken right now. But in the process of restoration, God brings us a brand new day. Can you say amen to that? Amen. You can close your Bibles. We're going to pray together. And if you are here with your spouse or with your family, could you just take a hold of their hand? If you're sitting next to them, just take a hold of their hand. We're going to pray. And I'll say, I'll say the words, but you can actually, you can actually veer off a little bit and, and say your own prayer within the context of what we'll be praying about. Because every single one of us have a relationship with God. And yes, we can all, all agree with my prayer. But let's all agree with the heart of God in our prayer. Would you bow your heads with me? Lord, right now we seek your face. And we pray right now for the, the lives that, that sit here right now, even next to us, that, that may be broken. Or there's things inside that... That you want to restore and there's things that you want to renew. And so we pray right now for those that are sitting next to us, our loved ones that may not be here. That we would embrace the restoration process of our lives. And we pray for the people around us that you would help restore theirs. Lord, we pray for the people around the world, especially right now the people in Japan. We pray for the Prime Minister of Japan, Prime Minister Khan, that you would give him wisdom that comes from you. You would give him a strength that he would never realize was possible. That you would surround him with, with government agencies that will help in the time of need. That the restoration process would be quick. We pray that the lives that have been affected would be restored. And those that are still surviving even though they may not be found right now, that they may be under some rubble or hidden away in some building or even a car, that, Lord, you would find them and bring them close to you. Lord, we pray for those that, who would be going in to bring, to bring health and aid and resources, that you would provide the way that you would be God in a time like this. Lord, we pray for family members that, that cannot go back because things aren't ready yet. That you would give them peace and comfort. Many are still here, here in Hawaii. 
Many are here in our very own church. And so, Lord, we pray and we seek your face because only you can help. People matter to you, God. We pray for the people in Haiti and the people in New Zealand. And still the people in Indonesia and and in our very own nation. In New Orleans that was affected by Hurricane Katrina. Lord, give us a heart to seek your face for people we don't even know. People matter to you, God. Pray for our neighbors, our family, our friends who don't know you yet. That they would come to know you as Lord and Savior. We lift all of these things up to you. The God of the universe, the one who sustains it all. Thank you for being God. Thank you for being the restorer. Thank you for being the one who gives life, not takes it away. We trust in you, in your precious and powerful name. And the church said, Amen.